Good morning, church, and happy new year. Uh, my name is Pastor Albie, and I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Central. I want to extend just a warm welcome. If this is your first time here or you're visiting our church, welcome to our church. We've been in this all-church Sunday series called The Truly Blessed Life, hashtag blessed. And, if, and we've been exploring the teachings of the Beatitudes of Jesus and what a truly blessed life looks like. And so we're going to be in our text in Matthew 5, 1 through 11. And uh, again, these are the Beatitudes of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 5. And we're going to be looking specifically at the fourth Beatitude found in verse 6. And so for context, we're going to read the whole uh, passage. And today being all church worship, we have our students and our children uh, and our youth all together participating in our worship service. And so they're going to read the word for us. Today we have Ashley Kim from the youth ministry who will read the word for us. Let's welcome her up. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Ashley. Church, would you pray with me? Happy Father, would you open our hearts and our ears that we might hear the good news of your word today and would you anoint me to be a messenger of your grace and your truth and uh, would you uh, give me your holy spirit to proclaim it with with your joy in your name we pray amen well as we know today is new year's eve and tomorrow is new year's (laughs) i know it's early folks uh 2024, it feels like it just, time has just gone by. And with that comes New Year's resolutions. Uh, one of my favorite things, actually one of my love languages, are memes and gifs. So if you get to know me, this is how I talk, this is how I respond in text. I don't text people back, I just send memes, okay, or gifs. Uh, but these are some of my favorite memes of the New Year's, and specifically Uh, New Year's resolutions. The first one is this. My goal for 2024 is to accomplish the goals of 2023, which I should have done in 2022 because I promised them in 2020 and planned them in 2019. Right? One, and second one, one does not simply keep their New Year's resolutions. Number three. I love this one. It won't break your New Year's resolutions if you don't make any. And lastly, New Year's resolution option A, lose weight. Option B, buy a bigger basket. 
often we make these New Year's resolutions because we want to change and we want to better ourselves. And often those resolutions have to do with weight, okay? So I don't know if some of us are trying to lose weight this year, but most of us that living in America, we could do well to lose a few pounds. Uh, if you're looking to lose weight, uh, I go to a great gym called Burn Boot Camp. They should pay me for this promotion, but there's free, there's childcare provided, so come join me. <laughs> but anyone wanting to lose weight, uh, I want you to keep this important phrase in your mind. You are what you eat. You are what you eat. Most of us here, we've heard the phrase like this, but the logic goes like this. Think about it like this. If the only thing you eat next year are Krispy Kreme donuts, you will end up looking and walking like a Krispy Kreme donut. And folks, the temptation is real because when that hot light, red, red hot light is on, you know there's fresh, original glazed donuts waiting for you, right? It's like, get thee behind me, Satan. Friends, you, you are what you eat. But people of God, just as the adage applies to our physical diets, the same truth can be applied to our spiritual diets. You see, in the spiritual and mental realm, it is also true that you will become what you eat. If your appetite and hunger is like the world, you will become like the world. If your appetite in this world is for the pursuit of materialism and wealth, then that is what you will become. Floyd Mayweather is known as one of the greatest boxers of all time, right? But outside the boxing ring, he leads a, an incredibly lavish lifestyle filled with extravagant purchases. Right? Mayweather boasts one of the biggest private luxury car collections in the world, valued at over $15 million. And in his collection are some of the rarest and most expensive vehicles on the planet. And the crown jewel of his collection is a Konaseg. CCXR Travita. Probably don't know what that is because there are only two ever made in this world. Right? The supercar is coated with diamonds and uh, over $4.8 million. He owns multiple Rolls Royces, Ferraris, Lambos, Bugattis, and even a car plated in 24 karat gold. Mayweather also has a custom private jet valued at over $50 million, and inside the plane are gold cups, cup holders, and gold bathrooms. Wherever he goes, he travels, travels with, with an entourage of 50 people, right? Bodyguards, assistants, chefs, hired people, and that all costs money to pay them. Uh, and one random funny fact that I came upon he never wears the same underwear twice, right? He always wears brand new underwear. Kids and youth, imagine telling your parents that you're not going to wear your underwear twice, right? You probably won't get dinner for that day. Just kidding, right? Floyd, Floyd Mayweather, he has everything. It's safe to say that Floyd Mayweather became what he ate. 
And so we can say this morning that it is accurately true that your appetites and your desires determine your destiny and what you will become. Today, as we look at the sixth verse of the Beatitudes, we will see that the Lord prescribes the menu and the appetite which will bring us spiritual health. In our text today, Matthew 5, 6, as we read in our passage, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. In one sentence, the Lord tells us what we ought to eat and what our appetite should be, and he tells us how we should eat it. Right? And my hope and desire for all of us today, and as we are looking into this next year, this new year, is that the truth, this truth would become real to us and cause us to hunger and thirst in the most profound ways for righteousness. And so what is righteousness? When we look at this beatitude, just like all the ones previous to it, there's a natural division. In the opening phrase, we have the prescription, and at the end, he gives us the reward. We will be satisfied. As we begin, the, the menu that is prescribed for us is for spiritual health is righteousness. Therefore, again, the question is, what is righteousness? One commentator of the Bible describes this type of righteousness being used here is that of conformity to God's will. The word righteousness occurs only three more times in the Gospels, none in Mark, once in Luke, and twice in John, but it occurs seven times in Matthew, and five of those are found in the Sermon on the Mount. And each of those times, it's this idea of conforming to God's will. Pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones describes this hungering and thirsting after righteousness as a man who desires to ex exemplify the Beatitudes in his daily life. He is a man who wants to show the fruit of the Spirit in his every action and in the whole of his life and activity. You see what Pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones is describing is essentially our one desire, our supreme desire in this life is to know God, to worship God, and to walk in fellowship with God as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All right, this is the type of righteousness that we should long for, that we should hunger and thirst for. So what does it mean to hunger and thirst for righteousness? Well, let me ask you, have you ever felt truly hungry? Some of you perhaps have felt hunger or hunger pangs. It can be this slight growl or, or you feel low on energy. Or for some of us, you know you're hungry when you get hangry. Right? You, think, you start getting angry. We all know who you are. right? <laughs> but it's hard to describe the intensity of true hunger and true thirst in our modern day world. Especially in America. Right? The analogy loses its potency because... Not many of us have experienced this type of hunger and thirst that the text is describing now. If we are thirsty, we can easily find water somewhere in our home, right? Through the faucet, 
Brita filter, water bottles, or koe or noe, right? If we're hungry, we can easily stop by and get a quick meal at a fast food restaurant, get your Big Mac and fries, or order in Uber Eats, or call in late night pizza delivery. Most of us, we don't know what it means to be hungry. But when you think about biblical times, the average person constantly lived on the edge of starvation and dehydration. They were constantly hungry, always looking for their next meal, always wondering where they can find clean, fresh water. So what Jesus is describing here is an intense feeling. It's this intense longing. All right, the closest that I've experienced this kind of hunger was out when I was in college, and we do crazy things in college. I, I did this 40-day water fast uh, to pray, and to pray that I get married one day, to pray for my future, right? And I remember being so hungry, and then I started seeing things. Like I started imagining things, and as I tried to drink water, I was like, oh, I'm trying to imagine eating steak. You know, it's not working, but... Is it, I probably won't ever do that again. But you see, not only is this an intense longing, but get this, it's a continual attitude. Right, the passage is implying a continual hunger, a continual thirst. Blessed are those who continually hunger and thirst for righteousness. There, there is a picture of desperation here. I'm desperate for God. I'm desperate for righteousness. King David illustrates this in the Psalms. Psalm 42 says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you. O God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Psalm 63. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Psalm 17, 15. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. Friends, you see a, a sign of spiritual health and vitality is one where you can never get enough of God. It's when you find yourself continually hungering and thirsting for righteousness and after godly desires and godly habits. Friends, the hope for this next year and the years that will come after is that we become more hungry and more thirsty, starving to be conformed to God's will over our lives, starving for the gospel until the very day when Jesus calls us home. That, my friends, is the blessed life. Right in the beginning of our passage, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And so what does God mean when he says blessed? It means that God approves. This is the person I call blessed. I approve. So I ask you today, church, would you examine your own heart? Ask yourself this question, 
What am I hungering and thirsting after in this life? Where are you on the scale of hungering and thirst, thirsting for God? You see, in one sense, that's a quick way to reveal and see where your idolatry or your allegiance lies. Are you hungering after God or as you look into this next year? Or is your hunger greater for the things of this world? Do you find yourself starving for more material possessions, a bigger house, a new car, for success in your career, a new job, a promotion? Or is it money or financial security? Are you thirsting for relationships? Is it for your children to have success in this world? And not all these things are bad things, but are you hungering and thirsting more for these things than you are for righteousness? If this is you, and you find yourself not very hungry for God, that means you are feasting on things that will never truly satisfy, that will never give you the ultimate satisfaction, the ultimate joy, the ultimate purpose. And if you aren't hungry for God, it reveals your spiritual condition. You are what you eat. Look, I get it. McDonald's is delicious, but you can't eat that for every meal of your life. Some of our students are like, bet, right? That's what they say these days. It sounds so uncool when I say it. <laughs> but no, you, you, you need a balanced diet. You need to be healthy. You need, a, you need your proteins, your veggies, your, your fruits. Some of us today are so malnourished because we've been hungering and thirsting after the wrong things and things that won't satisfy and fulfill you. Do you wonder why you feel so anxious? And some of you are crippled by your worries and your fears. That's why some of us here today are experiencing depression. Maybe you're coming to the end of the year with a loss of motivation. You try to satisfy yourself with things that won't satisfy. And C.S. Lewis said it the best. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. The promise of the fourth beatitude is this, that when we hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be satisfied. Now, I may lose some people here, but please stay with me. There is a fascinating and interesting paradox within this beatitude. Some of you are like, what, are, what is a paradox? Right? Paradox is something that is made up of two opposite things that seem impossible but is actually true or possible. <clears throat> and so the paradox is this in our verse. How can you be hungry and filled at the same time? It doesn't make sense, but it kind of does. How can you be filled and yet continuously hungry? There are a few ways to express this paradox. You can be full but empty, satisfied but never satisfied, content but discontent. And let me try to give a a personal illustration. Uh, Every Christmas, uh, uh, 
Actually, I got a little bit in trouble in the first service because I mentioned her full name, but I'll just mention her initials. JYP, okay? Someone in our staff makes the whole, whole staff her special box of cookies. And please don't ask her for cookies because she's like threatening us to not make us cookies ever again. <laughs> but honestly, it's something I look forward to every year because it's so good. Uh, and so... The most incredible thing happens when you pair these delicious cookies with black coffee. Come on, that is like the greatest pairing, right? Uh, black, uh, so coffee and some cookies. It's life, one of life's greatest joys, okay? So usually I wait to share these with Ellen, but I couldn't help it this year. And I ate one of the cookies and washed it down with coffee and it, I was in heaven, and I experienced this tremendous satisfaction. And about 30 minutes later, I had a funny sensation, uh, this deep longing, this existential thought, I need another cookie. <laughs> right? So I ate another cookie, and it was bliss. It was, oh, magnifique, right? And I, this repeated several more times until I was reminded you are what you eat, right? So I save the rest for my wife. <laughs> save what was left. But do you see this marvelous paradox, this spiritual cycle? The more I longed for, the more I hungered after the cookies, the more I was completely satisfied. Yet, while being satisfied, I still long for more. And friends, here's the takeaway the more you conform to God's will, the more you will be filled and content. And as our hunger increases, as our desire and thirst for God increases, it increases through the very act of being satisfied. That's why in Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, the more that you taste and see that he is good, the more you receive his goodness. And the more we receive his goodness and pleasure and joy, the more you want to taste more of Jesus. There is a beautiful hymn by Bernard of Clairvaux titled, Jesus, Thou Joy of Loving Hearts. And some beautiful lines from the verse goes like this. We taste thee, O thou living bread, and long to feast upon thee still. We drink of thee the fountain head and thirst our souls from thee to fill. Listen to what John, Jesus says in John 6.35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is why, friends, you never thirst though you thirst. This is why you are always full, though you hunger. Christ is our eternal hope and satisfaction. And church, would you hear Isaiah's plea from Isaiah 55? Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Friends, 
Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? Why do you drink from cups and cisterns that won't satisfy? The world offers us many different cups, but the reality is they're all empty cups. And many of us today are trying to quench our thirst from empty cups and wasting our money on that which is not bread. That's why in John 4.10, there is this amazing truth and amazing picture of Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. Friends, do you know today who it is that is offering you living water? You see, Jesus also drank a cup. Though on this earth we may sip from empty cups, Christ drank the cup of God's wrath. Because there needs to be punishment for sin. And Jesus' death on the cross paid the penalty for our sins. And the blessed result is that because of Christ's atoning death on that cross, because he drank the cup of wrath, we can now drink the cup of righteousness and of living water. We can now have a relationship with God, one of life, eternal joy and eternal peace. And so for those of us here today who have never felt the gospel hope of being fully satisfied with Christ. And maybe you sit here today feeling empty. Empty from the false hopes and false promises of this world. Would you put your hope in Christ today and receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? And would you be satisfied in him? The tragedy of our time is that especially in our secular, postmodern, post-Christian world, that the world is hungering and thirsting after all the things that will never satisfy or fulfill us. And friends, the tragedy of the church is that the church is hungering after the same things of this world. And because of that, sometimes we see that even in the church, its people are powerless and empty, and helpless, just as the world is. It's because our diets are similar to that of the world. Friends, you are what you eat. We become what we eat. The church becomes what we eat. So dear church, as, as I close this morning, and as we enter into a time of communion, friends, his body was broken for you. His blood was shed for you. Would you eat and drink? And would you be completely satisfied in Christ? Would you embrace the beauty of the Beatitudes? Proclaim the Beatitudes over yourself. And I'll end with this. There is this beautiful progression that happens from the first Beatitude to the fourth. And it's this, in the first Beatitude, we realize our own poverty of spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit because we are spiritually bankrupt. And when we understand that, then we can mourn over our sins. Blessed are those who mourn. 
We can mourn not just over our own sin, but the effects of sin over the world. There is godly sorrow for sin. And then we ascend to the third beatitude. Blessed are the meek. We receive this gentleness of spirit, and in the midst of our meekness, there is courage and there is strength. And when all that is in our lives, we are capable of desperately hungering and thirsting after righteousness to become more like Jesus. Friends, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let us pray. We taste thee, O living bread, and long to feast upon thee still. We drink of thee the fountain head and thirst our souls from thee to fill. Lord Jesus, would you make us hungry and thirsty for righteousness, and may we be satisfied completely in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.